We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in episode 86 of the Buzzbeat Podcast. I'm still trying to get out of the uh, out of the habit of saying Buzzbeat Radio. It's the Buzzbeat Podcast. I just say Buzzbeat. Yeah, <laughs> Buzzbeat. That, there you go. Because you're smart, Richie. So we are a member uh, of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Check out BlueWirePods.com. Uh, lots of great stuff over there, and they're adding literally almost it feels like weekly here. So the the, the network is growing, and we're really happy to be a part of that. Um, look, today we're going to talk the West Coast road trip. The Hornets are one and two on that trip so far, and we're also hoping to have Rod Boone. He's on the beat, the Hornets beat for the Athletic. Um, so we hope to have him on. He's out in Portland right now, literally getting out of practice for the Hornets. Uh, so hope we hope to have him on later. We'll see, but we wanted to go ahead and get this started. So let's just jump right in. I, I would ask you guys how you're doing, but you know we got a lot we want to cover tonight. So let's just get right in here. Hornets, again, one and two so far on the West Coast trip. No Cody Zeller. He's going to be out at least through January. Jeremy Lamb missed a handful of games, got hurt on New Year's Eve, came back against the Clippers. Uh, what was Wednesday night last night as we're recording. And yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of surprising uh, things happen with Charlotte. They, they've struggled as anticipated when these injuries came, but they were able to pull one out in Phoenix. So let's start the Denver game. And I think the obvious place to start, at least where my mind goes first, is Devontae Graham, second round pick, starting at shooting guard. He's 6'2", starting at shooting guard at 6'2", in the NBA. Uh, Brian, give me your like you know, a minute and a half synopsis of what you think Devonte Graham is, has brought to this lineup so far. It's crazy that he is. It just, it goes, to, it's crazy that he's starting. It goes to show you what we've talked about before with the horn. It's just like their margin for error, both in terms of like, you know, trying to win each game by slightly outscoring the, the opponent, like the margin is slim there. And in terms of just the overall roster, I mean, you go from, Jeremy Lamb to a guy that's a second round pick and is a, was a college point guard less than a year ago. It's was, is the big 12 player of the year, you know, you know, 12 months ago. It's crazy, but I like, I like, I mean, Devontae's played well. Uh, I think everyone that follows this team is at least pretty pleased with what you've seen from him. I think he's been basically what sort of what you were expecting. If you saw him play in Vegas, or, or saw him um, in the pre, you know, in the preseason, that sort of stuff. 
shooting the ball okay, about 38% off the catch, and he's providing some decent ball pressure defense, which, again, that's sort of what, if again, if you saw the little bit of time he played in Vegas, that was something that we saw. And, um, no, I like I like what we've seen from Devontae Graham. I, I don't think he's blown – blown the you know the doors off or anything like that but I think he's been very solid and dependable and it allows the Hornets to still bring Malik Monk off the bench and that sort of microwave score role which it seems like James Borrego really wants to do so by that by that measure I think Devontae Graham's done pretty well it is a little interesting that he's getting minutes over say someone like Dwayne Bacon who is a guy that you know was a part of the rotation last season sort of on the fringes and had some minutes and some good playing time earlier this year. But no, overall, I think uh, Graham has played pretty well for Charlotte. It's funny because Bacon and Devontae Graham, I feel like, have bounced back and forth between Greensboro and Charlotte, kind of getting those uh, minutes that they need they have. Uh, <laughs> up in Greensboro. But yeah, Devontae Graham, like just kind of filling in uh, as a rookie, clearly four years uh, in college have done, done him well. And that one game against Denver, he had eight assists, zero turnovers. I think the biggest thing to, to look at there were not only the passes, um, you know, just the absolute dimes that he had, but the fact that he had zero turnovers in that game as well. Um, you know, the Charlotte Hornets clearly are a team that still plays some Clifford ball in some areas, and, you know, limiting turnovers is one of the biggest things that uh, has kind of transitioned over from last year to this year. And, you know, he, he's done well in that aspect too, just distributing the ball, whether he's playing the point guard position or the two guard. And when he's in there with Kemba, it feels like he brings the ball up the court a little bit more often, you know, to get Kemba off ball at times. I mean, I think, I think he's been amazing. Uh, Devonte Graham, look, his, his position is not shooting guard. Uh, he's playing way out of position, but in, in the small sample we had, the Kemba, Graham, Batum, Marvin, Biombo lineup, uh, which seems like it has more <laughs> cracks than you could possibly fill. Well, in two games, like it had a it had a plus two differential, and, and that's mm-hmm. a very very small sample, forty four possessions total. But you know, Graham is such a high IQ player um, that you understand pretty quickly just watching him play offensively. Richie, you brought it up. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's only turned the ball over thirteen times in twenty games. Uh, his assist to turnover ratio is three point seven seven, one of the highest among rookies. Um, uh, rookie guards in the league, like it's pretty obvious why Borrego said, "Look, Graham's going to start over Monk, right?" And and I think the mm-hmm. assumption would have been, "All right, Malik Monk will slide right in for Jeremy Lamb." But you know, this is a team who's you know hanging on by a thread. They're scrapping to make the playoffs, and Borrego's a coach, as any coach would be in this scenario, who's going to put the guy out there that he trusts. Devonte Graham's 23 years old. Somebody just said it a second ago. He played four years in college, and uh, and, and he's been prepared. And ready to go. And I think he stepped in and, and done a great job. What what I'm most excited about with Graham is that the Hornets nailed it at 34 when they picked him in the second round. Yes, they gave away two second round picks to get him, but I I think I feel comfortable saying Devontae Graham is the full time backup point guard next season for the Charlotte Hornets. So that means that like Cupcheck got this one right on the yeah. margins. And that's been an issue with the Hornets is, you know, getting those draft picks right, whether it's first round, second round. Uh, that's always the biggest thing when you talk about the direction of this team, you know, whether it's, you know, some people want to tank, quote unquote, or some people want to push for the playoffs. But if you don't get your draft picks right, regardless of which direction you're going to go, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. So you got to get those draft picks correct. 
this was something that I've harped on a, a bunch with the Hornets, but like they've they basically dumpster died for point guards the last couple of years. They need to find something that was gave them a little more stability so that they weren't having to in the offseason use an exception or something like that to go out and and sign an aging veteran. Obviously, Tony Parker's been pretty good this year, but you know, this has been going back for a few years now. Jeremy Lin was great too, but Moan Sessions, bad. Michael Carter Williams, you know, was 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 really bad last season. And so to have at least an inlook, who knows what's going to happen going forward with Kemba, but let, like, let's just for the time being assume that he's going to sign, you know, re-sign with Charlotte in 2019. That's the summer on a, on, a, on a max deal. Well, it's nice to have a long-term backup because you have Devontae for at least two more years after this one. You have his rights because you used a part of the middle-level exception uh-huh. to bring him in, and he's pretty cheap too. So now you might be – now you may be working with a little bit of something, which is because Kemba's going to become very – Kemba's going to become an expensive player, and rightfully so. He's great, but maybe you're maybe you're helping yourself out a little bit on the margins because your backup point guard, who everyone thinks can kind of play right now, is going to be basically making you know is making the minimum. And again, he looks like he can play, and you got him going forward if you want him to be a, a piece of the uh, of the future in Charlotte. Whether whether they you know and, that, and, and also on the flip, like if they did decide to to tank or whatever. He still like he still makes sense with this team, you know. Like yeah. you, you can, yep. this guy can still be a part of a rebuild. So um, there's a lot to like with DG. Yeah, Graham's one of those players where I think he kind of fits everywhere just because of how smart of a player he is. He 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 guards the ball hard on defense. You know, he he plays with a lot of effort there. And then, and I'm writing about him a little bit tomorrow. Richie, you had an awesome thread. I think it was last weekend. Appreciate it on Graham. And, uh, and kind of everything that he brings to the table. And I built off of that a little bit on, on my column for Queen City Hoops tomorrow. And I gave you a shout-out because you really got me thinking about Graham. But um, is he the best passer on this roster right now? Like, Ooh. probably not. But the fact that we can even, like, say it's it's not out of the question is pretty ridiculous. It, and, I, and, I think, and I think it does two things. Number one, it points to how bad of a passing team this <laughs> is. Exactly. But no, yeah. But number two, how good of a passer and how smart of a player and how uh, much of an asset as a rookie, although 23 years old, he is. Mm-hmm. The best passer is probably Batum, right? But like, but yeah. Devontae Graham, the fact that he, you can at least credibly, after not playing that many minutes, except for, you know, up until the last week or so, you, you can throw him into that conversation is, uh, again, it's a testament to, to Graham and him just being ready to play right away as a rookie. And I think Kemba's impressed me with his passing this year. I feel like his assist numbers have gone up, and some of the assists that he's mm-hmm. had like, have just been great mm-hmm. finds. And Devontae Graham has kind of had some of those same highlights with the passing. Yeah, Batum, Batum passes the ball a lot. I can tell you that much. Yeah, he he does, does turn the ball over, but he does see things that uh, a lot of does. other players can't and you know threads the needle. But sometimes his passes are just like, what were you thinking? You were trying to yeah. like fit it through the tiniest of holes. <laughs> Yeah, so it looks like we got we have a few minutes. Sounds like Rod is going to be able to join us, but we do have a few minutes here. So I guess let's just focus on the other guy that we've been able to see more here recently. And and we don't know, like Devontae Graham, Bismack Biombo, who knows how much they play moving forward. Hopefully a little less than they've been playing recently. But both oh, of them God. have stepped in and they've done a nice job. And I and I think Biz deserves some credit here too. He does. He was ready when his number was called. Um, which you would expect. I mean, Biz is a you know he's a professional. He's been in the league quite a quite a number of years now. The Denver game just yeah. brought a huge smile to my he face. Was great. I mean, what yeah. you know, sixteen points, twelve rebounds, um, two blocks, two steals, too. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. Four he, offensive rebounds. 
he's impacting the game. Yeah, he's impacting the game everywhere. Um, And, Brian, you made this point on Twitter earlier today. He doesn't draw a ton of gravity when he rolls, but when he did catch the ball in the paint on the roll, I thought he was pretty effective. You know, more effective than I've seen Bisbee in the past. And that is – that's encouraging because I think Willie Hernan Gomez is, is really, really struggling, um, especially on the defensive end. And Biz has showed enough competence offensively. And I actually thought he's, he's thrown some pretty decent passes actually too here recently. I think he showed enough competence offensively to make a very strong case that he should be on the floor before Willie. And I wouldn't have said that even two weeks ago. Yeah, I do. The only, the concern with him offensively comes in. And I, I tweeted this out earlier too, is like when he sets those screens really high for Kemba, it's just so easy to just trap Kemba because uh-huh. like Biz can't, you know, he struggles to catch the ball and that dude in space, like, you know, can he catch dribble multiple times and then make a read? Like probably no. And so you just don't, have to, it's just so the decision to whether should we trap Kemba or, or not like it's just it's so easy in that moment to be like no throw two guys at him and yeah. if he can get that little drop off outlet pocket pass to to Biz you know good for him but like we're we might be walking into a turn like we might be getting a turnover here in a second too um, but yeah no Biz has done well and you know it's worth pointing out too in the minutes. Like again, it's it's a little it's a little hilarious that this team is chasing a playoff spot. And he's using Bismack, Biombo, and Devontae Graham in the starting lineup. But last last three games, 36 minutes for the lineup with of Kemba, Devontae Graham, Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, and Bismack Biombo. That started before uh, Jeremy Lamb came back for the Clippers game. But 108 points for 100 possessions, that's not bad. Uh, plus net offensive rating, uh, that that was aided by them playing very well against a Denver defense that's starting to crater. Um, and in, in the Phoenix game, they were, they were, they were less good against the, um, the Clippers, but that's not, that's not bad to see. And in overall, a zero net rating in 11 minutes with Kemba, Lamb, Batum, Marvin and Biz. I mean, like, that's not great. They're only scoring that unit only one point per possession. But I mean, at this point, (laughs) like the, the Hornets have got to take what they can get. And this is your third or fourth center. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, they're having to get a little creative behind it because, after the trade request that their whatever that that story was with Frank Kaminsky last week, um, you know we saw Michael Michael Kid Gilchrist at the center a little bit against the Clippers, and we obviously you're going to see Marvin at the five. Although I feel like we've seen a, a little less of that recently too. But JB having to get cre- creative because Biz can only play but so many minutes, and like you said, Spencer Willie is or uh, Aaron and Gomez is is struggling at the moment. It's it's funny because we talked about this like several episodes ago, and then Spencer brought up this point about just we need to stick with the second center yeah. to kind of keep yeah. the continuity going. But that has not been the case this season. We've seen you know stretches where Frank Kaminsky's been that backup center for uh, a good period of time. Same thing with uh, mm-hmm. Billy, and that, and now it seems like it's Biz. I know that you know injury plays a role with all of this, and. Uh, Hernan Gomez is is just not a factor on the defensive end. I think he he's probably been one of the biggest disappointments to me this season. Just kind of his overall mm-hmm. impact, you know, on this Hornets team. I'm not sure exactly why he hasn't panned out the way that I thought he would, but man, yeah, it's crazy to see that Bizback Biombo's had that that crazy game against the uh, the Nuggets. Yeah, and and I mean the thing too is it's like the what like one of the biggest issues with this Hornets team is that like. Their second best center really is Marvin Williams, right? Like that, like it's like it's so yeah. obvious. It's so and like they can't 
they can't play their best power forward with their best center at the same time because it's the same freaking person, you know? Or not, pardon me, not their best center, but they can't play their best power forward with their second best center because it's the same, you know, it's the same person. Um, and I feel like, and I, I meant to check on this uh, earlier today, but like I do feel with Cody out, it's making it a little harder to get to those Marvin at the five minutes. Um, I, I would need to check the per game average and, and wasn't able to do that earlier, but I feel like it's just, you're, it's just stretching Marvin a little bit yeah. too much, you're just you know, asking too much of, yeah. So yeah. that's, that's, that's a hard, that's again, that's just, but like, again, this team has, has, but only so many options and seriously, they played MKG at the five, which I'm, 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 I'm all for, like, I, I like seeing it, but, uh, but yeah, it's just kind of a, a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I agree. And, and I agree with you, Richie. I, I think Hernan Gomez has been, if not the biggest disappointment, huh. certainly one of the biggest disappointments for Charlotte this year. I mean, look, like it, it was Rich Cho's last deal. Uh, he traded for him right before the deadline, you know, last season. And Willie's on a super cheap contract, right? Like Charlotte's mm-hmm. paying him 1.5 mil this year. He's got a trigger date of June 28th coming up this summer. I think he'll be back, but like, if, if the Hornets made a move at the deadline and it took them right up to the tax, if not creeped them just over, mm-hmm. they're not bringing him back, right? Like that's their get out of jail free card to duck the tax. So, you know, it, it's something to keep an eye on his de- the, the thing that I'm most disappointed about with Willie is that he stayed here in Charlotte for much of the summer to that's be around right. the team mm-hmm. and to, and to work on his body and he seemed to be doing all the right things. And everyone knew that defense was was the real sticking point. And he did. He did. I mean, he looks – he's obviously in great shape, in better shape than he's been in the past. But there are zero signs of mentally him getting in on defense and physically certainly no signs of him getting in. I mean, he is a, he is a human traffic cone, um, even dropping deep into the paint on pick-and-roll defense. I mean, it is – and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow too on Queen City Hoops. It's it's pretty disturbing. Like he's not as bad as Dwight was in terms of effort, but he ain't far behind. Like it, yeah. it, it and it, and it's just hard to wrap your mind around how and why. You know he he is only there at this point. But um, you know again, it, the Hornets don't owe him a lot of money to get anything out of a guy that makes 1.5 million dollars is a win. And you know we'll see with Willie. But but I do agree with you, Richie. I, I think it's pretty disappointing the way he's played this season. All right, Rod. Well, uh, thanks, man. This is Spencer Percy, uh, co-host of BuzzBeat uh, Podcast. I actually remember you from uh, back in your days covering the Nets. I was uh, Those were back in my ESPN True Hoop Network days. I don't know if you remember the True Hoop Network for ESPN. I do. but I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've uh, I followed you for a while. Awesome to see you in Charlotte. Hope you're enjoying it so far. But um, – so how so going back to your days, maybe in Brooklyn or probably long before that, how did you get into sports journalism? That's a good question, man. Um, actually, uh, I've always uh, enjoyed writing. Um, dating back to my days in you know grade school, fifth, sixth grade, I was able to write creative essays, and that kind of just always piqued my interest, and I just really enjoyed it. So um, when I got to college, I kind of wanted to be an engineer because I – love planes and whatnot, you know, I want to do some aerospace stuff, but uh, when I got to college and saw math was not what I thought math really was, <laughs> I changed that off real quick and uh, went to journalism, so um, it was a, uh, it just happened, man, I can't explain how it happened, it just happened by the grace of God, and the fact that I love writing and I always enjoy sports, I took up communications in college, and um, 
was able to get a job out of college. I worked for, let's see, four newspapers. Um, worked for a paper in Elmira, Star Gazette, up in the upstate New York, same Poughkeepsie, New York, um, Westchester Journal News up in Westchester, New York, which is just outside of New York City, before I got to Newsday, um, where I covered the Jets and Nets. So it's been a, uh, about a 20-year span here, man, for me of um, starting out in college to where I am now. So it's been a great run, though. Awesome, man. So has Charlotte treated you well so far? Have you enjoyed covering the Hornets? Oh, I love it, man. I've been coming to Charlotte for about 20 years or so because even though I'm born and raised up in New York, uh, my dad is from Carolina. He's from um, you know, Hallsboro, Wilmington area, Whiteville area over there on the east side of the state. So yep. I've been coming to this you know, area for 20, 30 years, man. So I've seen it kind of grow up from where it was previously to where it is now. Um, and I just love it. I love the, um, the, the vibe, the weather. Um, everything is great about the city. So I just really enjoy being there. Awesome. Well, you, you kind of already answered it, but you probably have some other teams and sports that you've covered in your past. So what team sports did you cover prior to, prior to coming to Charlotte, covering the Hornets for the Athletic? Well, I really started, um, you know, with high schools, man. That's where a lot of people in my um, in my position start. We start from the ground up because it helps you when you get to the big time to understand what it's like to do all the grunt work. So I started covering high school sports first, um, then did a little bit of college sports. But I got my first break at Newsday when I was covering the Jets. Um, I was doing some backup stuff before then, helping out my Knicks rider, um, you know, Jets rider, Mets rider, stuff like that. But I covered the Jets um, during the Rex Ryan, uh, Mark Sanchez days, which were pretty interesting if you can <laughs> imagine those. So, um, were you there for the like, Were you there for the butt fumble by any chance? Uh, actually, I was. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was. Perfect. So, but Sanchez is a really a good guy, man. I'm just, I'm, it's upsetting that he he's remembered most for that play <laughs> in his career, but. Um, <laughs> It was interesting covering those guys. And then when the Nets moved to Brooklyn in 2012, they moved from Jersey to, to Brooklyn. And for anybody that doesn't know about New York, Newsday is based in Long Island. And the Nets came from Long Island before they moved to Jersey when Dr. J was over there and whatnot. So long story short, they started covering the team again. And I wanted to hop on that beat. They let me do it. And I covered the team for three-plus seasons. I covered the you know, Darren Williams, the KGs, the Paul yeah. Pierce's, that whole scenario. So it was a pretty interesting time in Brooklyn for those three years, man. Yeah, you got a great crop of uh, of years there until the Celtics came in and just completely uh, stole everything out of the cupboard, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Celtics trade. Um, you know, it's funny looking back on that trade because Nets fans, you know, try to kill Billy King for that deal, but he did that deal because he had to. The owner, Mikhail Prokhorov, won a winner. It won a winner like now. So um, Billy King takes a lot of flack for that trade. But, you know, KG and Paul Pierce helped at least in terms of changing the culture temporarily, but it didn't last very long for the Nets, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, they're still sort of just now getting out from, from underneath all of that. Um, Five years later, you're right. It, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, Boston just took their franchise. It, it, it's, it was pretty amazing. Um, uh, all right, Rod, let's, uh, let's talk a little Hornets here. I, I know you joined, joined the beat here. I, I don't think it was too long uh, before the season. It was probably sometime in, in October, if, I, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. It was, it was but, that uh, opening week, correct. Wow. All right, so... I'm not sure what your expectations heading into the season for the Hornets were since, since you were probably dealing with a lot of life stuff too, like moving and getting adjusted to a new job, new city, that sort of stuff. But 
so far with the Hornets, and you know, we can take a look at some of their stuff right now. They're 19 and 21. They're they're eighth in the East, 10th in offense, 19th in defensive rating. You know, have they met, exceeded, or fallen a little short of perhaps your preseason expectations or your mid-October start of the season expectations? I would say they're probably right where I thought they would be. I mean, let's be honest, they're probably about a 500 team um, <laughs> at best. So they're right around that mark. Um, the last few games, they haven't looked very good, as, as we know, because they've gotten beaten pretty bad in you know a couple of their last losses here. So I think the biggest thing for these guys, though, is to just make sure they don't get too far below 500. Mm-hmm. It sounds like um, a simple thing, but to me, it becomes a mental thing as a player when you're trying to fight uphill all season to get to 500 and you can't get there. And that, that takes just mental, uh, it takes mental stamina and it just drains you a little bit. So I think right now these guys have to just dig out of this hole because if they don't make it out of it soon, who knows they'll ever be able to make it out of it because as you guys know, they already played half of their home games yep. already. Well, not even in February just yet, which is crazy. So you have to be able to be much better on the road. If they don't do that, they're going to be in serious trouble. Yeah, I think they've fallen just a little short of mine. Because I, I kind of need, I kind of thought they'd maybe stack up a few more wins in, in December. And obviously, stuff with Cody the first week of January and Jeremy going down that that's been, uh, you know, that's been pretty tough. But in, and now things might get kind of bloody here in January. We, uh, we shall see. All right. Also, now let's let's turn let's turn a little positive page here. What? has in terms of uh, like a pleasant surprise what do you think has sort of stuck out the most to you what's been the one thing because there's been look Jeremy Lamb's had a nice season Tony Parker has been you know has been ageless and and great you know really solid off the bench for the Hornets this year what do you think's been your one if you had to pick out one thing or if you have a couple of them that's fine too but your the your one pleasant surprise to highlight with the Hornets so far this season Oh, that's a good question. I think right now, you know, you mentioned a couple of them. You mentioned Jeremy Lamb and, and what he's playing and, and helping Kemba out scoring, taking a little off of him. But I really believe the biggest surprise, as most people would probably agree, is Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they signed him, nobody knew what he had left. He thought he'd probably just be here and, you know, play a couple minutes a game and help out as assistant coach on the bench, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he's been a key player for them, as you know. If it wasn't for him, in the fourth quarter of at least two or three games, yep. they have two or three or four more losses on their record right about. Without a doubt. Yep. And who would have thought that You know, a few months back? So to me, he's been the biggest surprise. And the thing about that, though, is you don't want to grind him and wear him out. Mm-hmm. You had to probably play him a little bit more than he probably would have liked to, in part because of injuries, in part because of just his, his, his ability to go out there and, and, and will him to wins. So to me... He's been the biggest surprise, um, but you don't want to turn that surprise into a nightmare a month from now and have him not playing as best because, to me, they're going to need him, you know, come late February, March, April, making a playoff push. You need a guy like him to be able to help you because they haven't gotten that, as we know, in the last couple of years. So with Tony Parker's experience, you want that around. You want to be able to be out there on the court and crunch time to help you out. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking about Devontae Graham just before you got on here, and he has shown some ability to play some backup point guard as well. You know, obviously he's kind of stepped in in the starting role a little bit because of injuries and, you know, kind of to alleviate, you know, Tony Parker's exhaustion, uh, we can kind of play Graham, and I feel comfortable playing a rookie uh, in his spot, especially on those back-to-back nights where uh, Borrego feels like, 
you know, Parker needs some rest. And I, I would agree 100% on, like, you know, just being pleasantly surprised by Tony Parker's play. And I, just to kind of add my two cents in here, I know this is kind of an interview with you, Rod, but uh, I am still pleasantly surprised by Kemba's play every single season. It's just crazy mm-hmm. to think that, you know, several years ago when he didn't even have a three-point shot, we never thought he would get to this point. But just kind of looking at some of his stats throughout the, his career and, and especially the past couple of years, he's becoming an elite shooter. And he is the second He is second in the NBA uh, in pull-up shooting. Uh, you could probably guess who number one is with James Harden. 30, 36% on six pull-up threes per game. Uh, and just pull-up shooting in general. He takes almost 10 a game uh, and shoots 42%. So not only is he doing it with efficiency, but he's also doing it with the volume. But I, I would totally agree that uh, you know these Hornets have been looking for a backup point guard for the longest time. And for Tony Parker to come in here and uh, be more than just a veteran on the bench, like you say, uh, he has provided some spark, especially... You know, the Hornets knowing they played pretty poorly uh, in clutch minutes. Exactly. We're just going to say, Parker, uh, under 19 minutes per game, but over 10 drives per game. He's shooting 54%. I mean, it's just an, it's an incredible number when you consider his age, 36, and how I mean, he's been in the NBA since 2001, plus all the playoff games. I mean, it's like he's played how many other extra seasons, and he's still um, I'm bringing a lot to the Hornets. It's been, it's been pretty, pretty impressive to see so far. It sure has, man. I mean, he's with, again, without him, who knows they would be right about now. And the fact that he's come in and played alongside Kemba Walker in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. has also been a big beneficial thing for them because, as you know, you know teams want to double and triple team Kemba and blitz him when he has the ball in his hands late. So if Tony Parker's bringing the ball up the court and Kemba can fight off screens a little bit more, mm-hmm. it gives him opportunity to be able to score and not be locked down by a defender a little bit. So... Um, Tony Parker has definitely been an addition for these guys that they probably, um, you know, definitely wouldn't be where they are right now if it wasn't for him. All right, Rod, I guess switch it over to the negative side. Uh, what, what do you think the biggest dis- disappointment or downfall uh, of this team this season? I think not winning games you're supposed to win. Um, as we talked before, the record um, is below 500. And when you are a 500 team fighting for the playoffs, you can't lose games to the Hawks, mm-hmm. to the yeah. Cavs, to the Knicks, to the Bulls. I mean, those are four games right there. If they won them, they'll be above 500. So that bothers me more than anything else probably is every now and then, you know, you're going to have those games just because it could be a back-to-back. You could be facing injuries. A team could just be, be hot. So it happens in the NBA. But it's happened to them four times this year. And that, to me, uh, just can't happen when you're trying to, you know, be a playoff team, knowing you don't have a very uh, big margin for error. So to be able to get to where they want to get to, you have to be able to clean up those type of games, those type of losses, because let's be honest, man, they haven't faced many West teams just yet. Mm-hmm. The first real foray deeply into the Western Conference so far this season, you know, other than a game here or there against Denver or the Mavs or – you know, what have you, um, Timberwolves. But you know, other than that, they haven't really played very many teams in the West just yet. So to me, they have to be able to win those games against those teams that you should beat because when you face teams like you're going to face tomorrow against Portland, <clears throat> um, even Sacramento, yeah. even Spurs on Monday, these are all teams that, even though they're not uh, considered quote-unquote great teams probably in the West, they're still better than the average team in the East. So <laughs> you don't come with your A game. It's going to be a long night against most teams in the Western Conference for the Hornets. That, that's going to be a given if 
they don't come out and play the way they should um, each night. All right. So, like you said, Rod, they're they're in the midst of this. Uh, in in you know, you're you're in Portland right now, correct? Is, do I have that right? It's what right. I figured with the figure with the the game there tomorrow night. That would make we're recording this on a Thursday night. I figured that would make a lot of sense. Um, so you're you're a road warrior out there with the team right now too. So we we uh, we we appreciate the hustle, no doubt, in the in the time difference and stuff like that too. But so look, the trade deadline is in about four weeks from now. It's in a little little under a month. In the All Star Game, also not too much longer after that. But between now and then, there are a lot of Western Conference road games: Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio. I mean, those are all really good teams, especially the Blazers and Spurs, but the Kings especially on the second night of the back-to-back, that's no joke. So, look, exactly. do you, in the you know the 28, 29, however many days this is, between now and that February 7th trade deadline, do you expect the Hornets to make any sort of move? I mean, this week there were there were some sort of rumors regarding Kevin Love, and it should be noted he, he's got an extension that kicks in after this season, $121 million over the next four years after this one. Do you see the Hornets making any sort of move between now and then? And if so, what kind? Would it be a big swing like Heaven Love? Or did something, hey, we, you know, the Hornets may try to add, uh, you know, a little more depth on the wing or at the power forward or the center spot or something like that? I think the latter is probably more mm-hmm. uh, likely to happen because, as you said, um, you know, the way this roster is, is made up right now, um, it's, it, it has a few issues. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can solve these issues at this point in time is through a trade. But even then, you don't have a lot to give up to get a big piece back. Right. So with that being the case, um, it won't be a big piece, as we said. It will be probably a small piece, a, a wing player, a wing depth, uh, maybe a an athletic big, something like that to help him out. But even whoever that is, it won't be a big-name player, as we said, because – they don't have nothing to give up, A. And B, they're fighting against teams that are in the same spot they're on. So if you're, let's say, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, uh, teams like that, um, the Wizards, and you want to make a trade, well, you're still kind of in it right now, even though you may not feel like you are. <laughs> so until they're totally out of it, they won't just give up players, you know, just to give mm-hmm. them up. So right. I think that's probably the issue right now for the Hornets is, you got to wait a few more weeks until people kind of sort out where they are standings-wise. Mm-hmm. And even then, again, it won't be any big-name player. It'll be somebody who can kind of maybe you know, help them temporarily, but mm-hmm. it won't be anything that you're going to say, wow. Um, and, and, you know, the only piece they have that could probably be moved are a Jeremy Lamb right. because he's on the right. last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. But even then, he doesn't make that much money. I think he makes $7 million, I believe, this year. Seven, yeah. Around there. Seven. So you got to match salaries coming back. So who do you get that's making $7 million? That's that better. You can just say, that's better yeah. than Jeremy Lamb. Right. I mean, so it's who wants to give him up? So it just doesn't – it's hard to see them doing anything major. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to guess that Mitch Kupchak will do something because he just has to. Mm-hmm. Um because this team is just starting to get just go in the wrong direction right now, as you can see. They they're playing hard, they're giving all they got, but it's not enough. Yeah. So at some point, you got to go out there and see if you can shake things up. So I expect that they will probably at some point try to do just that. 
you brought up the biggest point with this team in terms of just the salaries on this team are just so hard to trade. You have a you know Batum who's making twenty five million dollars for the next year or for this year and the next two years. You got Biombo mm-hmm. who's making seventeen million next year. You got Marvin who's making fifteen million next year. You got MKG who has a player option next year who's making what twelve fourteen ish twelve or thirteen I think yeah. thirteen thirteen so I think. And and then the one player like Rod just said the one player that's appealing to players is Lamb because he's an expiring contract. It's going to be very difficult for the Hornets to bring him back next season, but he's also the guy that's going to help you propel you to the playoffs. So it's it's a catch-22 exactly. with this roster. Very much he so. is. You know, he, you can make a case that he, Lamb's their second-best player. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably some, you know, like it depends Cody. on the night. Yeah. You know, you could you could maybe make a case for, for Cody some nights or whatever, but, um, you know, for a team that's so desperately trying to make the playoffs and it's just – Right, I mean they're right on the edge right now. They're at the eighth seed. Five thirty-eight is giving them a fifty-one percent chance. I mean, if you trade Lamb, it, it's that's gonna, and you're only getting. It's just it's hard to think of what that's actually going to bring them back. And you, you, Rod, you sort of alluded to this with the Western Conference a second ago, but like fourteen teams in the West are good right now and are trying to make the playoffs. It's like half the league is just like out as a trade partner already. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like the people are exactly. buyers right now. And then there's plenty of those teams in the Eastern Conference too. So it's just it's it is a challenge to find a uh, a suitable a suitable partner. And um, yeah, I'm not I'm not totally sure, you know what what the, what the move's going to be. I, I think there are some appealing things. Dwayne Dedman in Atlanta as a backup center, if the Hornets wanted to go that route, or Anthony Tolliver as a stretch four from in in, uh, in Minnesota who's not playing that much. But I got a name. You know, that, yeah, what's that? I was just thinking about, you know, a player, uh, you know, maybe a, a four or a five, like Rod said, maybe they can switch between a couple positions, mm-hmm. they can stretch the flo- floor a little bit. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, if this would be attainable or if you could kind of figure out a deal like we just talked about, that making a deal with the Hornets is going to be difficult, but maybe uh, Jamichael Green over in Memphis. Uh, Memphis? Uh, yeah, he's behind, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yep. So, but he is on expiring as well. So, I, you know, he might be an asset to other teams, Playoff teams that could probably offer a little bit more. He matches yeah, salary with. I mean, with Lamb there's too. no real answer. There's no real answer <laughs> to this question. Yeah. yeah, we can sit here and talk about it all day, but until, as you said, until they figure out where they're at, until they figure out exactly how things are broken down, until they figure out where teams are heading and what they're trying to do, they're not going to have the answer they want right now. So, but but they can't stand Pat. No, if they want to make the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. They have to do something, but. You don't do something just to do it. You make sure whatever you do is a smart move that's going to help you, not only this year, but next year and beyond as well. Yeah, and, and the Hornets have had that issue where they kind of sacrifice the future for the now and they and they get screwed over in the mm-hmm. long run. That's kind of been the Hornets thing with the front office. And I guess last question, this kind of goes off script a little bit, Rod, but you know, this upcoming offseason, Kimball Walker's a free agent. And you know, I heard some people talk about, you know, hey, let's let's go ahead and trade, try to build this team up around Kimba compete for the playoffs. I've seen other people's opinions where they say, okay, you know, Kimba's not going to want to come back next season. And I know that the Hornets are saying all the right things, but do you get any inclination, uh, you know, with Kimba, you know, kind of his overall feelings towards this organization and, and wanting to come back, or is it just still so much can play out between now and then? Well, I think, as you said, so much can play out between now and then. It depends on what Mitch Kupchak, you know, and the hierarchy wants to do. But as we know, Kemba wants to stay with the Hornets. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. Um, he's made that clear several times. To me, it's not lip service. The guy actually mm-hmm. enjoys being in the city. He's 
a New Yorker like myself. <laughs> and um, let's be honest, uh, a lot of people from New York are moving down to the South for good reason. <laughs> so he doesn't want to go back home. He doesn't want to be in that market, in that fishbowl amongst his relatives, bothering him probably every night about tickets or something <laughs> else. Um, so why not stay? I mean, he, he, why go anywhere else? There's no mm-hmm. reason for him to go anywhere else. The tough spot, as you said, for the Hornets is if they resign him, um, he's going to take a lot of money to bring him back. So what do they do to build a team around him cap-wise? That is the major question in terms of how do they find the money to build a winning team for years to come around Kemba. But the other side of the equation is people say, well, I would get rid of him or don't don't bring him back. Well, I tell people all the time, you know, when you go to these games now, this season, the arena's not full. Yeah. Almost any game so far this year. Yeah. So if you get rid of the people, the person they come and actually watch the start of the team, right. who's coming to watch the games? Yeah. Who's coming? <laughs> who's yeah. going to be in the stands? So to me, you can't put the fans through that again. The franchise left here to go to New Orleans, you know, years ago, and you brought the franchise back. And to me, you have to be able to show fans that you want to build a winner each year. So if they don't bring Kemba Walker back, to me, that wouldn't be a good look for them at all. Yeah, it's it's almost like if they did, you know, assuming they do bring Kemba back, which I think they will at at, at, a, at a max contract, who, you know, who knows if it'll be five years, you know, 188, or if it'll be something closer to what Kyle Lowry signed recently with the Raptors for 100 over three or something in, in that ballpark or whatever. But it's almost like they'd have to, if they did do that, which I think that's the route they'll go, they might have to just like hang tough for a year and wait till 2020. And that's when they get a lot of money. You know, Biombo comes off the books. Marvin comes off the books. MKG comes off the books. Um, you know, you'll have, you'll have Frank off the books. It's so, and then at that point, then maybe you could actually go out and, and have some money to, to spend in free agency, but it would be another season with basically this roster being in place, which right now, like, as we're sort of seeing, um, you know, stuff. He's a 500 team. You would need you would need Bridges or Monk to to really pop. Basically, that that's you just it would it would be so much would be dependent on that. Which at this point, that's a pretty big risk. It seems like. Right, you're right, and on top of that, remember Kimba will be two years older in 2020. Yep. So no doubt. you know, of course, he he may not have the same you know motor he has right now. So, but the thing is, he's still in his prime. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. do whatever you can for the next two years, two three years to get this guy some help because three years from now. He'll be on the other side of the hill. You know what I mean? He yep. won't be the player he is at the moment. So if you don't take advantage of his prime years, you're just wasting the opportunity to go out there and show fans that you care about winning. So you have to bring that guy back. you got to find a way to somehow build a team around him that's actually better than what they have right now. All right, very good, Rod. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, go ahead, Rod, and plug your Twitter handle and let our listeners know Kind of about you know the athletic and what they do uh, and how they can go about accessing your content or, or really anybody's content on the athletic. Sure, thanks, man. Uh, well, my Twitter handle is at then my name Rod R O D like dog then B as in boy O O N like Nancy E. You can follow me on Twitter. Um, I give updates about the team all the time, practice updates, injury updates, Colts video, all that. I try to you know bring you guys into the locker room into the the arena where I'm at so you feel like you actually are there. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I don't post as much on there, but you can follow me at at Rod Boo, R-O-D-B-O-O. And then for the athletic, I mean, uh, for people who don't know about our product and our site, 
um, we cover basically every team in every major sport in North America. And as well as that, we cover the Premier League and soccer mm-hmm. and, you know, UFC, everything. You name it, we cover it. Uh, fantasy football, fantasy sports. And we are a site that's based on subscriptions. But we have a lot of deals we have uh, almost every week. You can, you can get a percentage off subscription for a whole year. And I know people don't want to buy things nowadays. You figure you can find stuff for free online somewhere. But I think you guys will attest to what you've seen so far from our product and the fact that what the Athletic does is something that nobody else does. We don't do the daily game stories. We don't do the daily grunt work. You'll find long-form features about your favorite player or team. You'll find um, interesting ideas, interesting in-depth analysis. You'll find stuff that you won't find anywhere else. And once you pay for the subscription price, you get to read everybody's stuff. So if you're a Hornets fan, you get to read stuff about Steph Curry and um, and San Fran. You get to read about the Knicks in New York. You get to read about the Cowboys if you're a Cowboys fan. You can read about every team. Every, every, basically every article is open to you once you subscribe to our site. So I just, just encourage people to go out here, there and go to athletic.com and just subscribe because, believe me, once you do, you'll see exactly what you've been missing. And I, I can tell you it's a good product that you don't want to miss. Yeah, Brian, Spencer, and I are all subscribers of The Athletic, and we can attest to the, the quality. And I can't stand sometimes that, you know, going on, on websites and all those ads kind of popping up, and you don't oh, have to man. worry about that. It's the worst. It's yeah. the worst, yep. man. It's With The, the Athletic. So. so, yeah, we know no ads, none of that stuff. We just want to give you quality work, and that's all we try to do, man, is give you, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of words that you can, you know, read and 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 feel good about and, and just keep following your favorite team or, or whatever it may be and uh, you're right um no ads whatsoever so that's the most important thing is no pop-ups which everybody hates out there <laughs> all right thanks again ron for brian and spencer i am richie that was episode 86 and go hornets this is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.